Good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 1. We'll be in Jeremiah chapter 1 today. We'll be there for the entirety of our lesson, and so if you have your Bibles, you'll be well served to be there with me. I want to start this morning with a question, and the question is, can we be useful? It's a question we need to answer because we have a temptation that all of us face. We can be filled with doubt and about our usefulness in our lives. All of us have had moments where we think, I can't. And we all want to see ourselves as capable, as useful, as adequate. In our jobs, we want to think we're not replaceable. We want to think if we left for one day, the whole place would burn to the ground, right? We want to think that there is no holding it together without us. In our families, we might want to think of ourselves as the ideal in our role, the ideal husband or father, the ideal mother or wife. And we often find ourselves falling short of that goal and the pursuit of it, don't we? We aren't the person we want to be, and we feel inadequate in our lives. As much as we hope for that ideal, we feel inadequate. And God's servants throughout Scripture have had this same response. They've had this same issue. So today we're going to look at the call of Jeremiah and to see how we can overcome those feelings of inadequacy that we face. So read along with me the first three verses of Jeremiah chapter 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, and until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. And so we have a bird's eye view of the service of Jeremiah. And so Jeremiah served for 40 years. He served throughout Judah through a long period of history. He worked with different kinds of kings, starting with Josiah, who was a good king, who led the nation to reform upon finding the law, destroying the idols throughout the land. But from there it went downhill. He also prophesied under the kings like Jehoiakim and Zedekiah, and both were said of them that they did evil in the sight of the Lord. He strongly preached against the idolatry of the nation, warning of the coming destruction of Judah. He boldly told them that they needed to repent and did so using vivid illustrations to make sure people would hear his voice. He also boldly preached against the surrounding nations, telling them of their coming destruction. Jeremiah was a bearer of bad news to everyone around him. Destruction to you and to you and to you. That's what Jeremiah was. But as bold as he was, this was still difficult for him. He was known as the weeping prophet. All the sin that was surrounding him and the coming destruction caused him to mourn because he knew what was coming. And the last chapter we have from Jeremiah is the recounting of the destruction of Jerusalem, where Jeremiah is entrusted with recording and remembering the darkest day in Judah's history that the temple has been destroyed. Jeremiah sounds like he's done a lot, hasn't he? Forty years of service, boldly sharing what God wants him to share, writing down the things that need to be remembered that we still use today. Can we serve like Jeremiah did? Even as capable as Jeremiah seems from this brief bird's-eye summary of his life, 
he still felt inadequate when he was first called. So let's read Jeremiah's call, start, starting in verse 4. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I informed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. And so first, we see that God calls. The word of the Lord came to him. This is a refrain of this first chapter. We saw it in the first three verses. It was in there. Here in verse 4, we see it again. We'll see it again in verses 11 and 13. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Jeremiah was from the city of Anathoth. It was a city that was within eyesight of Jerusalem on a clear day. It was very close by, and it was a city for priests. Jeremiah was born to be a priest. You can imagine that he might have already been well on his way to being a servant of God. But that's not why he's called. He's called because the word of the Lord came to him. And the word of the Lord came to him, and he was able to be the servant that way. And sometimes we often think that people should be good servants of God because of their background or who they are or where they're from. And we sometimes talk about preacher's kids that way, that, man, they come from a good family. I expect great things from them. But that's not necessarily how the kingdom works, that people are expected to be good only because of who they are. People are expected to follow God because the word of the Lord has come to us and we can be impacted by God and serve God as a result. And so in verse 5, we see God planned to call him. Jeremiah knew that he could be useful because of God's plan for him. And God knew him long before he was born that he would be a capable servant and prophet to Judah. God sees all of us for our potential, doesn't he? He knows that we can be servants. He knows that we can follow him. Now, in this passage, the promise of God is specific to Jeremiah and that he was chosen for this task to be a prophet to Judah and to the nations. But we can see the principle for us as well, that he knows us and he knows our capabilities and he calls us to follow him as his disciples. And furthermore, Jeremiah was consecrated for the task. He wasn't just thought of, he was set apart. He was holy so that God could use him for this role. Jeremiah had a purpose that he was set aside for. He was the prophet God had chosen for this task. And then God did so before he was born. The reason for all of this, though, is because the task is so great. Notice the last thing it says in verse 5. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah didn't have just a small group of people to talk to in Anathoth, a small group over here in Judah. He had the nations to speak to. What a great an overwhelming task Jeremiah is given. So it isn't a, a surprise that Jeremiah responds the way that he does. Jeremiah says, Ah, Lord God, I do not know how to speak. So he gives two reasons why he should not be chosen as God's messenger, or at least why he's hesitating to be chosen as God's messenger. And Jeremiah has a Moses-like calling here. He says, I, I don't speak well. I don't know how to. His inability to speak was keeping him from going with God in this call. And not knowing how to speak is a barrier for us, too. There's a survey done a few years ago where it said 25% of Americans' greatest fear is public speaking. And I don't think it includes public speaking to enemies telling them destruction is coming to your land. So you might bump that number up to maybe 80 or 90%. 
Jeremiah has a difficult task in front of him where he is bringing bad news to enemies who want to hurt him for his message. I don't know how to speak might be an understatement for Jeremiah. Fear of speaking the truth to others is very real. No matter the size of the group of people that you find yourself sharing with, it's difficult. So God calling us to share about Him is not easy for many of us. In fact, it is even difficult for us sometimes to have one-on-one conversations with people. These things are scary. It's very normal for us to have fear as the people of God. Jeremiah shows us that. And he gives the reason for his fear. I am just a youth. The reason for his inability to speak and his hesitation is because of his position in life, his age. Jeremiah is a relatable character, isn't he? Because he has these reservations about the task being great and him feeling inadequate for the task. He doesn't see how he could be useful to God in this place. After all, he's a youth. He's young. Surely there's someone else in Anathoth another priest, maybe even all of Judah that would be capable to serve in God's way. Surely someone is more qualified than me. But it's worth noting that Jeremiah is called and he feels like he can't be called because of his age. And when he is first called, he comes under the reign of Josiah. And if you remember, Josiah started reigning in Judah when he was eight years old. God does not have a time of usefulness and uselessness. He just has willing servants. And perhaps Josiah and Jeremiah's age is an indictment on the nation of Judah that there were no men, no adults that were willing to stand up and be the servants that God needed them to be. But Jeremiah and kings like Josiah were willing to be that kind of servant. Our time in our life can be a barrier for us as well. That sometimes we might think, I'm too young or I'm too old or I'm too busy in this time of my life. That's a mistake. Often to our young people, people will say, you will be a useful part of the church someday. That is also a mistake, because you are a useful part of the church now. You are needed in the church now, because we need your influence and your energy and your hope for our futures. So there's not an age where we can say, I'm not adequate. We can just answer the call because God has given it to us. So we might think the same things Jeremiah did when we have a call of God. We might say, why me? I'm not useful enough to serve. I'm not skilled enough to serve. We might think I'm in the wrong time of my life. But here's the reality for us anyway. None of us are adequate for the service God has called us to. Not on our own anyway. And that's where we go next, because here is why we can serve God in spite of our weaknesses. Read with me in verse 7. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms and to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And so then we see that God enables. 
God enables his servants. That's the reason why Jeremiah can go. Because first he commands him in verse 7. He stops Jeremiah in his tracks and says, Do not say that you are too young. You are adequate for service in this way. Because I have commanded you, for to all whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. This is not an easy command for Jeremiah, by the way. Jeremiah is going to have moments of extreme difficulty. He's going to be thrown into a dried-up cistern to die because he was preaching the message of God. He was thrown into a deep, dried-up pit and left there to starve to death. And God tells Jeremiah, preach to these people. Share my message with these people. All of this is important to have in our minds so we can see what God says next to him. And that is verse 8, is that he protects us. Do not be afraid because I will deliver you. God is able to protect his servant. He can say to Jeremiah to not be afraid because of his protection. This is not God saying, I'm going to send you to preach a difficult message to enemies and people who will hate your message and hate you, and good luck, you're on your own. That's not what God is saying, is it? God is saying, I am sending you with a difficult message to people who will hate you, but do not fear because I am with you every step of the way. That's the God that is sending Jeremiah. That's the God that we are serving. All kinds of thoughts can enter our minds as we approach the call of God. Fear has always been an obstacle for God's people. People may not like the way that I do it. People might disagree They might be offended or angry. I might make a mistake or be criticized. The fear of man is a great hindrance to the serving of God. But here are a few promises we have from God. The 118th Psalm, Out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, If God is for us, who can be against us? And 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 3, But the Lord is faithful, and He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. That's who God is. He's a protector. He protects us. Even from the beginning, He promises protection to the people who need it. Even Cain was given protection after they departed from the, the garden. How much more will he offer his protection to those who follow him? The protection might be physical, as it was for Jeremiah, and saving his life from this danger and that danger and persecution and peril. But it might be a spiritual protection, where God protects us from sin, temptation, keeping Satan far from us. But we need to learn from this that we can trust our God to go with us as he calls us. The third reason that we can see God has enabled Jeremiah is that he has given him the message. In verses 9 and 10, the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. What an image, right? It seems so simple. Compared to some of God's other servants, there's no vision with angels flying around and God coming in with a burning coal to touch Jeremiah's lips like he did with Isaiah. There's no wheels within wheels like there was with Ezekiel. God simply comes to Jeremiah and touches his mouth. Sometimes God comes in very simple ways and calls us in ways that seem tiny. But God's message is strong because God tells him the purpose of this touch. I put my words in your mouth. The word of the Lord 
came to Jeremiah, right? God knows our fears. And one of our greatest fears that we have is we don't know what to say. So God does reassure Jeremiah. Words aren't ours to begin with. And we have this same opportunity. There's a verse of two verses that I'm going to read here that one is how we use our words to one another, and one is how we use our words for everyone. Colossians 3, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Now that's how we speak to one another. The way we speak uh, to one another is based on the word of Christ dwelling in us, that he has given us the word and it lives in us. And even beyond that, we have the statement from Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God has given us the words. He has taken that fear away from us because we don't have to come up with our own impressive message that is not only true but also persuasive and impressive to people so that they will follow us. All we have to do is share what God has given to us already. The very message that made us change our lives and decide to follow Him. That's all we have to share is because God has given us the perfect message that we need. Praise be to God that He gave us a message so perfect. So then we see what the message that Jeremiah was given. And verse 10 shows us this. I have set you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. This verse is almost entirely negative. And that's the nature of where Judah is right now, is they have a, a great deal of, of negativity in the land. There is sin everywhere. There is judgment coming. And so Jeremiah is sent to tell them that bad news about judgment is coming. And that's not a fun message, but we have that last sliver of verse 10. There's hope that we get to build and to plant. God's servants rarely bring a message of judgment without having a hope available. God provides hope that a righteous remnant will return from Babylon and rebuild in the promised land. The most famous part of the book of Jeremiah is a shining beacon of hope in chapter 31. Chapter 31, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and, his and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. That's a passage we're familiar with because it's just so beautiful. God's promises that he will know us and we will know him and he will forgive us and we will be with him. But in order for us to get there, a covenant had to be broken. The old covenant was broken. The people destroyed their promises to God and they followed the idolatry of the world around them. Judgment is coming because of that. Jeremiah has to share the bad news before he can get to the good news. His bad news is coming 
but the great news of God's future plan for his people is available for those who are faithful to him. Jeremiah seems like he's got a great task in front of him, doesn't he? But he's only capable because God has made him so. He has enabled him to be that way. But God doesn't just state this and say, here's your mission and leave it at that. God shows him that his plan is sure. Serving can sound difficult. We may know in our minds that God is with us, but it certainly helps if we know God's plan is set in stone. And so God's plan is sure is the third part of the call of Jeremiah. Read with me in verse 11. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. And the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. And so we have these two signs that we're going to read that show Jeremiah what is coming. And notice, we mentioned before that both of these signs start with the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, that God is giving these. God has chosen Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is ready to listen to the word God has given to him. First, we have an almond branch, which is what we have behind me. This almond branch is the first thing to bloom in Anathoth for the season. It was important because it was first. It was the first thing to uh, show spring was there. So this indicated that God was quickly ready to perform his word. And secondly, the Hebrew word for almond branch comes from the same word as watchful. And so this word is used in God's response to Jeremiah. There's a play on words here that is lost in English, but we can see once we understand it. The almond tree shows us God is watching over his word to fulfill it. And then the second image we get in verses 13 through 16 is that of a boiling pot. The word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, what do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, Out of the north disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord. And they shall come, and everyone shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem, against all its walls all around, and against all the cities of Judah. And I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil and forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and worshipped the work of their own hands." And so we have this boiling pot. This pot that is boiling over, facing the north, shows where judgment is coming from. Judgment is coming from the north. The Babylonians are going to be there to punish you for all that you do. God tells Jeremiah exactly why, too. He says, the people have forsaken me. They have gone to idols. They have gone to be with the sinful world that they are surrounded by. And now judgment is coming. And so these two images together... God is watching to bring about judgment. And that's the first message Jeremiah is entrusted with. But God doesn't leave Jeremiah with that. He comes back to him. But as for you, in verse 17, but you dress yourself for work, arise and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. So God comes back to his servant. As for you, get to work. Get to work. 
dress yourself for work, arise and say everything that I have commanded you to say. Judgment is coming, but that doesn't stop the work of God's servant. God's servant is going to be there to prepare the world, the nation for the coming judgment, and to prepare them for God's coming mercy beyond that. They will fight against you, but they will not win. Why? Because God is there to deliver you. God is there to deliver you. What a powerful ending to the story of Jeremiah's call. It doesn't end without a clear reassurance from God. God is there to tell Jeremiah, I will be with you every step of the way for your service. You can trust me. At first, when I started this story, I struggled to find our lesson. How can we learn from Jeremiah how to be a servant of God in this story when he only says one line in this entire chapter? Then I realized this story is not really about Jeremiah nearly as much as it's about God. God is the main character of this story, and God is why we can focus on this call so clearly. Because Jeremiah shows us why we can respond to God's call. It's not because Jeremiah was this strong, impressive individual, although he was. It's because God is this strong, impressive God for us, and he will go with us every step of the way. We don't respond because we are exceptional and impressive people. We don't respond because the call is easy. Far from it. We respond because our God is great, and he has enabled us to succeed. Our God calls each of us to serve him. He wants us to come and to follow him, sharing his word with any who will listen around us. So we can stop thinking that we aren't adequate, because it's not about us. God is so great, and he can enable any of us to, grow, to go with him and to serve him. So the question we started with, can I be useful, is not the right question. The question is, will I serve him? Because it's about our willingness to go with him. So choose this week to be the servant that God wants you to be. God has made it possible for you to answer the call. And so we're going to be willing to do it together this week. That's what we can do as we answer the call of God. We're going to sing a song to encourage us to do that. So please stand as we sing together.